Mister. Pumpkin pie. Pumpkin dessert. You may be seated. A quick announcement that at that harvest party, there is a pumpkin dessert competition. If you bring the best pumpkin dessert, you will leave that harvest party with a $100 gift card. So start busting out those recipes for the pumpkin competition. Just at random, if there's holiday, Brother Morgan's not here, I'm assuming, today. Well, I heard through the grapevine that his can favorite candy is Whitman's. Just tell him I'm thinking about him as father of the year today. Tell your husband, where'd Val go? I'll give it to mom. To Val, mom of the year, please. Thank you. Matthew 10, verse. Matthew chapter 10, please. Let's do this different today, brethren. Go ahead and come off the platform, please. Thank you for, thank you for thinking of me. Brother Rob, you haven't done this for me yet, I don't believe. So you grab four people that are not normally on the platform. Just take a moment and think about it. Take four people, bring four people that don't mind being up here. Don't bring your son and daughter, brother Rob. Can be male, female, whatever you're feeling, brother. Just Matthew chapter 10. Right. I'd like everybody in the house, if you don't mind, to read with me in concert Matthew 10, verse 16. Here we go. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wool. All right, everybody now. Start all over again. Everybody, even in the back, would you read? Out loud with me. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Hmm. Brother Walter, please come up on the platform and lead us all in prayer today over the message, over the people, over God's direction. Amen. Bless the Lord. Yes, you are. Yes, we do. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. Every day, Lord, every day. Amen. In the name of Jesus, let's clap to the Lord today. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. All right, you may be seated. Good morning, brother. Praise the Lord, brother. Brother, praise the Lord. It's Brother Sam. Good to see you, sir. A couple of questions for you to ponder. You don't have to respond, but think about them. Does the Bible... Give advice. Does the Bible offer the reader advice? And when was the last time, if you believe that, that you went to the Bible to gather or gain specific advice? 
with innate wisdom, we are creatures of habit, and we usually work inside of our circles. We talk to people we trust. Hey, I need to make a decision about this. What do you think? I need to, I need to know, should I buy or sell? Should I quit or go on? And we seek advice from people. I don't mean to belittle that because I've got a lot of good advice from people. But if you want advice that's really important and you need, you need something that's life-changing, you might make the wrong choice and it, be, it might be shattering to your life. And you're sincerely wanting to do the right thing. Be careful how you get advice from people who are on the same level as you. When I, when I need a weighty decision or influence toward a weighty decision, I want to talk to people that have been there a few days and been around the horn a little bit. I'm not going to talk to you. Brother Mike, I know you have kids, but I'm just using you as an analogy. I'm not going to talk to someone that doesn't have kids if I need advice on how to raise my children. No, I'm not throwing mud at anybody. I'm just saying. That's common sense. Read all the books on child rearing you want. Nothing like experience when you need it. Well, think about this one as well without responding. Did Jesus himself ever offer advice or was everything he said that we have recorded a commandment? Did he ever just say, well, this is what I think. Those are my terms. Do you, found it, do you find it taught in the Word of God where Jesus offered advice? Anybody admit today that once in a while you just need advice? I need to, I'm, I'm, I've been offered a job over here. But I don't know, it's a little uncomfortable. Change is always uncomfortable. But I'm not going to go to someone that's always, yeah, yeah, take it, take it, take it. I'm going to go to someone that's been through a few trials in their life and, and they're going to they're gonna urge me to slow down as long as I can. Someone said, never make an important decision until the very last minute because you never know about the factors that were going to come playing into the equation before you get to that decision point. you say? Good advice. I'm going to try, with the Lord's help over the winter time, to preach a, a series of thoughts on that thing right there. Good advice. Did Jesus ever offer advice? Meaning, if someone took it or ignored it, it didn't affect their eternal salvation. Sure he did. Someone said, well, the only thing worth reading in the Bible is the red letter. No, that's something that new converts say. Every word of God is pure. All things were written. Romans 15, 4, etc., etc. There's all sorts of uh, evidence to the fact that, of course, Jesus' word is God Almighty, final say. But everything in this book is inspired by the same one who spoke the red letters. Good advice. If you would not mind, put my text back on the 
screen. Matthew 10, verse 16. Wise and harmless. Nothing is more freely given or offered than advice. Often unsolicited. People give advice all day long, subjects they're good at or bad at, give advice. Just ask some, and I don't know anybody that fits this category, so don't get off and storm out today, all right? I don't know what you do in the private world, but everyone has an opinion. As Brother Churchill said, opinions are like noses. Everybody has a different one, right? Everybody has a suggestion. And often they mean well. How do I handle this, Dad? Oh, oh, for a day that I could just sit down with my dad. And I've told you too many times, you're sick of hearing it, but I, 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 I pine for that day when my dad would say, hey, son, you got a minute, I want to talk to you. I've heard that a thousand times in my life. Son, you got a minute? And so often it was things he'd just seen in the Bible he wanted to share with me. Look at this. Yeah, Nuggets is right. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a suggestion. Just try it. Again, I'm just bringing these out of the air at random. Ask somebody who's a devoted, I didn't say part-time. Ask someone who's a devoted, pardon the pun, religious vegan. Oh, are you? Sit down, I have something to say to you here. Is, is it worth it going to that kind of lifestyle? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you. Oh, it's all quiet in here, isn't it? We must have a bunch of vegans in the house today, all right? You enjoy your celery and potatoes, I'm going to chow down on a moose steak, praise God. Uh, that sounded terrible, didn't it? Hey, I could be a vegetarian. I really could. I love vegetables that much. But just ask a devoted grandmother. Huh? Ask a devoted grandmother. Man, they will spring on the advice section. Ask that devoted or that family member. Huh? Everybody has a family member. That guy. Or that woman. She has an opinion on everything. Just ask her. Because opinions are easy to come by. A little hearsay here, a little background there, and opinions are formed. Jesus said, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Brother Justin Short, more often than not, most advice, I said most, can be taken with a grain of salt. I don't know that this is of interest to most of you, but Brother Rick, uh, you know who Casey Stingle is. Casey Stingle was the right fielder for the New York Yankees for nine years, or, or for several years, but he was on nine World Series winning Yankee team. Became the manager of the Yankees when he retired, became the manager of the Mets when they opted into the in Major League Baseball. And Casey Stingle became synonymous with this broken, disjointed 
redneck type of language. He wasn't putting on a show. It's how he talked. Like things he would say that in the form of advice, you'd, you'd walk away going, oh, like if you come to a fork in the road, take it. Nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. I'm not making these up. He said, all right, Casey Stingle. All right, everybody, line up alphabetically according to height. And you're going, huh? He said, the key to being a good baseball manager is keeping the people who hate you away from those who are still undecided. <laughs> Just giving you a taste of his advice. He said, never make predictions, especially about the future. Hmm? Kind of people like that, you go, I think I'll do without advice. But we can take it with a grain of salt, Brother Justin, because most, most advice is common sense. You know who Horace Greeley is? He lost the presidential election of Ulysses S. Grant, 1870s, around there. Horace Greeley was a columnist for the New York Times and a politician on the East Coast. He said in his day, 140 years ago, the most uncommon thing in America anymore is common sense. Most advice is common sense. The last time you looked at your child and said, where's the sense in that? Hmm. But enough of that stuff said. When someone, listen to this factor. When someone loves you, and when that someone loves the Lord, and when that someone offers you advice that's straight out of the Word of God, you hear those three factors? They love you. They love the Lord, and they give you advice out of the Word of God. Brother, sister, there's advice you don't have to pray about right there. There's advice you don't need counsel about right there. I don't need to talk to my earthly dad about that. That man loves me, that man loves the Lord, and that man has got his advice right out of the Word of God. That's a home run right there. The problem is that in the flesh, we have, our, we have our arrangement of naysayers always trying to shoot down good advice. I feel like saying it again. I'm not fishing for an amen. I just, I just feel something in my spirit brewing right now. People are free with their advice, but when somebody loves God and loves you, and out of the Word of God, they're burdened with an answer for your inquiry. You better, you better stop and listen. There's a story. Exodus chapter 18. And it sort of proves my point, or it does prove my point for the here and now. There's two, fact, two men involved. The man Moses, we all know him, and Jethro. Moses married Jethro's daughter. 
So that made them family. Moses was Jethro's son-in-law. Well, Moses has a job. He's got two million people depending on him. Some of you melt down because your kid cries three times a day. You got four mouths to feed. Like, oh, I can't handle the stress of the world. Oh. Look at all the serious faces out there. Moses had two million people. Between verses 13 and 24 of, of Exodus 18, this is how this is what unfolds. Jethro, the father-in-law, sees Moses get up every day, crack of dawn, gets in his seat. People file before him, great and small, young and old, male and female, family and single. And they bring to Moses their, their questions, their needs, their problems. And Moses has to solve everything. And Jethro sees him working from daylight to dark. And the next morning, he's right back in the seat early. The next morning, he's right back in the seat. The next morning, all the way to dark every day. And Jethro comes and says, I got, I got to talk to you, boy. What you're doing is not good. Go from about verses 20 to 23 there. He says several things. What you're doing is not good. Nice tie, brother. Not good. He said, you're going to wear away. You're going to die. There's too much on you. It's too much pressure to handle all of these people. I'm glad Moses wasn't one of those. Oh, get out of here. Family advice. Here we go. More of that. Sometimes people see things different than you and I see them just because they're sitting in a different seat. He says, this is not good. You're going to wear away. He said, this is what you need to do. If God will allow this. He said, get you some good men. The King James says able men. Good, God-fearing, truth-loving men. And put them, put them in authority over 100, over 50, over 10, over ones and twos. He said, tell them, handle all the problems. I don't know if I should wear a green skirt or a red skirt. Moses, you don't have time for that. Moses, you got, you know, energy problems over here. There's no water to feed two million people. We got geography situations going on. People are mad. They're getting divorced. His kids ran away. You can't handle all of that. Get you some good, able men that can handle that type of a matter that not everybody can handle heavy matters. You know that today? And it's not because they're evil, but some people melt down. As soon as the problem in life goes from here to that, they're like, ah, run away. It's true. And you want to pastor a church? Can't even pastor your own home. All right, I'm going to be positive. Too much on you. Get you men that will work under you. And when they have really big problems and they, they just don't know, they're scratching their heads, let them bring that to you. He said, you're going to kill yourself if you don't. That is great advice. So if you could summarize something we've all heard a hundred times out of that story in Exodus 18, we could say that Jethro said, boy, you're burning the candle at both ends. 
and everybody's going to lose when you get to the end of your rope. Good advice. Get some help. Doesn't mean blab your business to everybody in the world. It means that sometimes I don't know what the answer is. Sometimes I pray about it, Brother Brad, and I still don't get the answer. So when I call someone like Brother Churchill or Brother Williams in Florida that I preach for a couple of times, they, they just see things from a different angle. They're not connected to my world. They don't have any binding ties. They don't have to kiss up and measure up. They can just say, here's, here's how I see it. So don't forget that when someone loves you. When someone loves you and they love the Lord and they're getting their advice out of the Scripture. I asked you before, does the Bible give advice? You said yes. So when they love you and they love the Lord and they're getting their advice out of the Scripture, it's a good time to stop everything else, all the noise, all the well-meaning family members. Oh. All the well-meaning comrades and buddies. Jesus said this, be you wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Look at this on the split screen. That's King James I just quoted. And on the right, I believe, is the, uh, the message translation. Okay? Behold, I send you forth the sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Is that a commandment? Well, the, because of the weight of the subject, the background of what I'll, I'll fill in the blanks for you momentarily, it's certainly something more than just a casual passing re re remark. Message said, stay alert. This is hazardous work. He's talking to the disciples here, Brad. Hazardous work I'm assigning you. You're going to be like sheep running through a wolf pack. So don't call attention to yourselves. Be as cunning as a snake, inoffensive as a dove. <laughs> That's some pretty good advice. Let's break it down. When Jesus was talking, just leave that up, sis, for a while. Thank you. When Jesus was talking to the disciples, the, the religious world felt the hostile animosity of the civil world. If you were part of the church, the world, for the most part, didn't like you. If you're part of the fake church, they didn't like the real church. If you weren't part of their religious global system, they didn't like you. You didn't come to their pastor prayer meetings. Who does that guy think he is? So, he's sending these 12 men out in a violent community. They're about to encounter more than just handshakes and howdy-do's at church. These men are going to try to shut their mouth by killing them. And he's warning them, you are, you are in for something. You've got to be alert. You have to be wise. Keep your heart open, your eyes in tune. So is it any different today? We're just more educated about it. 
The world is hostile toward believers, even today. Wolves are willingly hostile about the, the harm they bring upon their prey, aren't they? Anybody remember Brother Pal, Pal Canella? His aunt used to have the uh, wolf country thing down here. And way up here, we, we built our little house on Farm Loop in 1995, and we'd hear those wolves howling late at night, way over here on the river edge, just going to town. And it, some of you probably went too, but, uh, but Pal invited you and I and Josh, and we did a little tour through wolf country. And all them wolves on ropes, chains, or whatever they were at. Whatever. And he, and he tell, told us some of the characteristics of wolves, be them in habitation or in the wild, or controlled habitation of the wild. And no matter what, when you looked into the eyes to me of the wolf, even if he was contained by a large chain, that's still in a wolf. And he's like, he's sending a message. If conditions were different, you wouldn't be wanting to pet me, throw me a little doggy snack. They just had that way about them. And if they were eating, it's like, no. No. They were, wolves are willingly violent toward their prey. It's survival. Not because they're wicked, it's survival. But Jesus is laying down this general technique of kingdom work. And I, I hope you're listening right now. It's, it's the techniques that work in the kingdom of God on planet earth. His advice was in the form of a simile, a metaphor, a figure of speech. A simile compares two unlike things. Snakes and doves. He wasn't saying, I'm likening you to a snake. And FYI, much as I detest and deplore those things, animals are, are not moral entities. They can't sin. They're just living, man. They're just living. But he wasn't saying to Peter, Paul, James, and John, be, be snaky like a snake. Take every prey by the throat till he's done. That's not what he was saying. He was saying that serpents have a, have a way, a cunning, a quiet clever, a skillful, the word A-D-R-O-I-T, adroit, means deft, it means, it means clever, wise as serpents. Why did Jesus say that? Because the world has traps set unapologetically, Satan uses the systems of the world and sets traps for believers through temptation through different things and methods and various ways in the lie in life. And Jesus said, I'm about to send you out there. If you go out there going, oh, holy doe, God will take care of everything. I'm going to be a dumb cluck and just. He said, don't be that way. If you're preaching the truth, he said, you got to be wise. 
you got to sense when you're in the wrong place. you got to know when something might be set ahead of you in the path. Wise as serpents! doesn't mean you have to overanalyze every little movement in life. Why did she shake my hand three times? What's he up to? We're not talking about that. He's just simply saying through this metaphor, don't jump. Be a little methodical. Think things out. Don't plan at the jump of the hat. Plan ahead. Now, life can change on a dime. We know that. He's just saying, when you go, have a plan. But you're treading ever so lightly. Wise as serpents. They don't come with fanfare and a marching band. You don't even know where they're at. It's fun to be spontaneous. Hey, let's go climb the butte. Hey, yeah, sure. That wasn't in my plan. Let's do it. Spontaneous is fun for things that don't mount to a hill of beans. When someone says, hey, you need to get away from that pastor up there in the hill. You don't go, hey, yeah. You better, you better be slow and methodical. Weigh what you know with people's advice. Weigh what you see and feel and know to be true. Versus rumors and opinions. Doesn't mean people are evil. They, they probably think they're doing good. The Pharisees, the Bible said, thought they were doing right when they persecuted Jesus. Be wise as serpents. Again, I'm trying to make this overly clear. It doesn't mean we're supposed to sneak around. I've said it before, and pardon me for being human, but there's one type of Personality trait that bothers me is sneaky people. You know, they're just, they're there, they're turned up. Sneaky. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's talking about being cunning. He's sending them out in a violent environment. He said, be smart. Use your head. Go slow. Sometimes decisions have to be made in a snap. We know that. But this is the rule of thumb. These are techniques of kingdom work in the form of advice. Be wise as serpents. It would be one thing if he left it there, but he didn't. He said, you need wisdom where you're going. But you need to be harmless in the, in the, at the same time. Being dove-like does not mean you have to be gullible. But it does mean Jesus is telling me, be gentle and not aggressive. That's, that's something I can decide to be. A bless God, temper run in my family nothing to be bragging about. It means be kind and not rude. Pardon the redundancy. 
only to those that are bothered by it. I'm not apologizing for it, but I, I remember. I didn't know if it was normal or not, but I remember my dad taking Scott and I aside at a young age and said, you're not going to speak to older people like, yeah, nah. And calling a, a person an old man, my dad would pop us. Now, the old lady, I'm telling you, he would pop us. You don't speak to people like that. You speak with kindness. And I'm not exaggerating. I, I can, I can, Brad, I can tell you times on Lazy Mountain that my dad physically disciplined me because of things like, nah, whatever. We go to school and hear that all day long. You pick it up, you know. I'm blaming others, I'm just saying. But be kind, not rude. You don't have to be a pushover to be kind. Not to be a wuss to be gentle. Be kind. Be wise as serpents. Sure, it's quiet in here today, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. Be loving. Don't be hateful. Why do we have to? Why does he have to teach us that? Why would he have to have to teach born again Jesus named tongue talking children of God that? Be gentle, harmless. Be friendly, not unfriendly. Some people, you learn quick not to try because they're not going to be friendly with you, no matter what. That doesn't mean I can't be friendly. Maybe this should have been safe for Wednesday night, but I'm giving you what he prayed, and I'm doing what I feel like the Lord told me to do. Someone said this, and I quote, when you're, dealing, when you're dealing with yourself, use your head. But when you're dealing with others, use your heart. Wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I'm pretty sure Jesus was gentle, harmless, dove-like. But when he came to church one day in Matthew 21, he said all these People out there, hey, seven come eleven. He didn't go, oh, well, they'll learn. No chance, man. He turned tables over and kicked them out. He said, my house is the house of prayer. You, you made it a den of thieves. So he, he, he had the capability. He wasn't a pushover or a rug to be walked upon, but his nature was to be gentle, sinful, vile, lewd, illicit, ungodly, wicked people that most church folk would, church folk would go, ooh. Those people could walk in the presence of Jesus and he'd be gentle. He handled them like they were his own sons and daughters. He didn't go, well, here's my list of criteria. Gentle! I think every leader in the house ought to practice being gentle and not aggressive, kind and not rude, loving and not hateful, friendly and not unfriendly. As Sister Beam used to say, because it's always the right time to be loving. It's always the right time to be merciful. You want some good advice? I'm giving it to you unsolicited. <laughs> Whether you ask for it or not, be wise as serpents but gentle as doves.
That's some good advice. Gavin, Gavin, right? Great job. Wise as serpents. That means knowing when some people are trying to do you good, but really they're just trying to steer you wrong. Wise. But be gentle. Come on, remember, remember how we used to go out on Saturday nights, man? We remember, huh? Hey, ah, ah, remember that? Larry. Huh? You could say, hey, get out of my life. I want to see you no more. I've turned the page. That's not me anymore. Or you could say, you know what? Nah, I, I don't do that anymore. But I'll tell you what, I will do. I'll pick you up at church in the morning. How's that sound? Bring you a coffee. Bring you a coffee. Good advice. Be wise. Careful who you listen to. Careful who you take advice from. Well, praise God. Start the car. <laughs> That's number one. All winter long, we're going to talk about good advice. Good advice. Stand with me. Stand with me. God, we thank you for your mercy today. Thank you for your loving kindness that's better than life. Thank you for caring for our soul and ministering to our heart. Thank you, Lord, for directing our steps today, knowing you are in charge, you're in control. Thank you, Lord God, for hungry hearts and thirsty souls, people that want to get off on the right foot in life. People, God, that want to change what's wrong and let the Lord fix it all. I promise you this, brother, sister, God can fix whatever we have broken. I invite you to come pray. Anybody want to come pray? Come and let Him, come and let him work on what's broken. Anything, your opinions, your ideas, your thoughts, let Him work on what's broken.